good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. We need another f- corner! Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hogg, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um... Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you in a very short week. Quick turnaround to Thursday. Bears and Commanders coming off. Uh, both teams coming off tough losses on Sunday. Both teams badly wanting a win on Thursday. The Bears really need one. And we got a special episode for you today because we did something cool on the side on our YouTube channel. And now we're bringing Josh Lucas into the podcast as well. Uh, local media star, Josh Lucas. <laughs> can, can, can I call you that now? I'm trying. I'm getting there. I don't know about the star. He just... Lots, lots of reps. Local media guy, Josh. It's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing how many people want you to come talk when you do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very popular right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to work on that. All right. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us on the on the pod. We had a great conversation uh, a little over a month ago that honestly uh, was evergreen enough that if you happen to miss that episode, I'd go back in our feed and check it out. You could probably you could find it here on the YouTube channel as well if you're if you're watching. Um, because we got to know a lot of good stuff there, um, big picture wise with this team. Uh, today, as the Bears try to turn the page to this game Thursday uh, on our YouTube channel, I realize a lot of you are listening to this as a podcast. So whenever you get a chance, I would encourage you to go check out the video we did. We broke down some film. Josh was kind enough to to um, jump on and, and actually break down some plays from Sunday's game against the Broncos. Uh, obviously, that doesn't really translate to listening to a podcast. So go check that out separately. But we are going to talk about sort of our conclusions from watching some of those clips here. Uh, Johns, I know you have a lot of questions, so I'll, I'll let you jump in. I want to start with Justin Fields and the the hesitation he shows on, on film, Josh. You had two examples in our film review episode that's on YouTube right now, but there's multiple examples, maybe more than what a, a dozen of them on film so far over four games. Like, how does he get rid of that? Like, what what do you see? Like, what does your scout I tell you about the hesitation and where it's coming from? Yeah, so it's you know, it's playing on time, playing in the flow of the offense in the past game. To me, it's it, and I've said this to you a lot, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse but like because i don't think it's dead it's confidence and trust and what i liked on sunday versus denver is you saw several examples of him getting the ball and getting it out on time regardless of the pressure around him maybe the receivers weren't as open as you would like that, that smaller window you see in the nfl confidence and trust he just Still in a huge moment on Sunday. We just talked about it. The first and 10 where he got the intentional grounding. You saw it rear its ugly head again. He has to clean that up. He just does. And I I do. I saw enough of it on Sunday to think that it's getting better. And we, I can't say like, this is a permanent ingrained 
weakness of his that's never going to change because I don't believe that. They just have to keep building it with him. And and there's things you can do in practice to simulate, hey, just get the ball out. you got to trust it. Like the scheme is going to give you throws every week, every week. You watch any NFL team, even the teams that you we would label as, hey, that offensive play caller is not very creative. He's not helping out his quarterback or his offense. Even those games, like you can see it at the top of the drop. There's places to throw the ball, especially in the short to intermediate game. And with Justin, for whatever reason, I feel like his eyes are there and we just see this like little pause, this little deliberate, you know, delay before he lets go of the ball. And to me, that's just like trusting that it's going to work. I don't think it's a a permanent like flaw. Um, And I want to believe that and I'm going to keep believing it. And and obviously he's got to show it you know, as we move forward here with, with the next 13 games. So you've been in those meetings, like you've been in Hallis Hall, you were in New Orleans, you know, where the coaches, scouts, front office is, is together. Like, what are they telling him in those moments? Like when he hits the top of his drop and his eyes seem to be in the right place, what are they saying? Like, just trust it, trust it, let it go. Like, what are they telling right. him in that moment? I, I promise you that word is coming out of Luke Getzey's mouth when they're watching that tape. When they watched that play, we just saw on first and 10 on their final drive where he takes the intentional grounding. You know, they, the robber came down and took Mooney away on the on the on the cross, which was the first read in the progression. His eyes went right to Tyler Scott. He, he starts to hitch. And I don't know if the pressure spooked him. I don't know if he thought it's too tight of a window to throw it into. He's just got to trust. You're going to throw the ball into these situations that are going to be 50-50. That's NFL football. Got to let go because when he doesn't, we're seeing the negative ramifications. It leads to hits that lead to turnovers. It leads to intentional groundings. These are game-changing plays. So trust is the word, I promise you, that's being yelled over and over to him when, when they're watching tape on, you know, on a Monday. Well, and that play was a perfect example of a lot of the underlying issues that because um, because, you know, the, the pass protection wasn't good on that play. But as we break down on the film right there at the top of his drop, there is a NFL open wide receiver, not wide open NFL open. And it's just those are the types of throws that he's got to trust, trust that if it if he lets it go, it's at least going to be incomplete because instead the rest of that play is an intentional grounding, which was just brutal in that situation. So I found that interesting as we broke it down, Josh, because you had more concern about that play than the interception, which was next. And I agree with you because the conversation last couple of weeks has been about Justin playing more free, being able to improvise a little bit more. And that interception was more of an, improvisation that it's just unfortunate he and the tight end were not on the same page. hundred percent that, that play doesn't bother me. You know, I, you want, you want the ball placement to be a little better. I don't know how they're repping that every day based on the leverage of the DB 85 has to do a better job of boxing that guy out. Just bottom line in 22 made a vet play 22 knows 85 is about to box him out. And like a smaller guy on the basketball court that needs to get around a bigger guy, you know, you, you're savvy, you're quick, you, and you find a way to get around him. There is an anticipation on that throw, which you like to see. I thought in the first three quarters of that game, 
where you're seeing anticipatory throws, where you're seeing him help compensate for pressure by getting the ball off on time, there was a confidence to him that when the moment got big in the fourth quarter, I thought he started to tighten up a little bit. And I know that fumble for a touchdown causes pressure. You're starting to feel the weight of the pressure on the sideline and in the building. And I think as he went on the last few drives, you started to see more of the deliberate hesitation and and not just playing free like we saw in the first three quarters. So put it together for four straight quarters, finish a game with everything that went on with the defense, as bad as it was late in the game, high level NFL quarterbacks find a way to win that game. You know, if you watch the Sunday night game, Mahomes wasn't playing like Mahomes for, for three quarters at the end of the game, when they needed to run clock, he found a way to win the game. You, you can win ugly. Sometimes it's totally fine. Justin in the biggest moments reverted back to some of those bad habits. And that's a quarterback that you can't build and trust going forward. If he doesn't show, he can put together complete game after complete game and stack high-level performances one after another. It's, it can't be up and down. It can't be uneven. Not at that position. You can get away with it at the other 10 positions, but not at that position. It's got to be consistent. Obviously, guys have tough games. Sometimes you go up against a great defense. Sometimes the defensive coordinator has the offensive coordinator's number. You can't control that. But but high-level quarterbacking is consistent week in and week out. And right now, they're just not getting that. So how do you want him to – like how should the Bears want him to process this? Does, does it help to be on a short week? Because you look at his final numbers, and it was the best passing game of his career. His first 300-yard passing game, 28 for 35, 335 yards passing. He completed a franchise record, right? 16 consecutive passes in a row, four touchdowns, 132.7 passer rating. Like the numbers look great. A lot of the stuff he did looks great. But then it was a loss. Like, how would you want him to process it? And then how would you view having a game in, in a matter of days, you know, with the Thursday night football game coming up in Washington? So, uh, you guys have both hit on it. And I totally agree. For the quarterback right now, I do think the short week is advantageous. I really do. Because you're right into the next game plan, and it's 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 100 miles an hour, Washington. We're not looking back. A lot of times they don't even review that game with the players on this short week because you're right into the next game plan. If you're in that quarterback room, if you're in those offensive meetings with the team, this is they have to be coaching off the success of that game. You have to coach off the first three quarters. There was a lot of good. We just talked about a lot of it. Playing on time, playing in rhythm. He made several plays off script. You know, the touchdown pass to Herbert. That's him. That's him creating plays. I love the touchdown, the second touchdown pass to Cole Komet. Going towards the pylon, he, he, he slows up a little bit, allows his receivers to uncover themselves, dumps the ball to Cole. Playing on time, huge. Playing playing, and making plays off script, imperative. Both those things we saw. Now, third down performance. He played really well on third down. He really did throughout the entire game. It was very impressive to see. 
He, he picked up a huge first down, you know, late in the game with his legs. He made several nice throws to pick up first downs. Obviously, we expected it to be better against Denver because they're a team that doesn't pressure the passer really well. But as this Bears offensive line starts to get healthier, they're going to start protecting better. He's going to have time. The final piece, you have to eliminate turnovers. You have to eliminate turnovers. So you got the two parts we talked about first, playing on time and being creative and making plays off script. That has to mesh together. Guys are graded on third down, two-minute, and eliminating turnovers. We saw the third down. We saw him not perform at a high enough level on the final two-minute, and we saw him turn the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. So this is where the unevenness is presented and where he has to be able to eliminate the negative because there was so much good. I think they're coaching right now off of all that positive, and you're you're just trying to get him to replicate what he did this past Sunday on Thursday night. And if he can start stacking them and get confidence, and here's what's going to really help Justin Fields right now. The offensive line is going to get back intact. I saw a run game that looked healthy and confident on Sunday, and that's going to give him – a lot of breather throws through play action and everything. So they just got to start building it and stay positive and optimistic. Cause right now, you know, you've got to completely shut out that outside noise and it's got to be all football, all what he did well on Sunday and just eliminate the negatives and eliminate the distractions. All right. So I think 90% of people watching and listening to this already know who Josh Lucas is, but I just want to make sure everyone knows he was the, uh, director of player personnel under Ryan Pace, the last regime, part of the group that drafted Justin Fields. So with that in mind, I want to ask you this question because, you know, as you were breaking down the film, as you were talking here, you still feel like he can break through, figure out NFL open, trust those throws a little bit more, speed things up a little bit. You've talked to us about this before, being honest in your evaluation when you guys drafted Justin, that that speed, that process, those were on the list of concerns uh, when you guys evaluated him. How do you, when, when you say you still are holding out that hope that it, he can break through, I'm always fascinated by this part of it. How much of that is you drafted this guy, you want it to work, Versus what maybe Ryan Poles is thinking, which is I'm not the guy that drafted this. How does that patience level compare? Do you see what I'm getting at there? And and how patient maybe the, this current this current front office might be with him? There, that's a valid question. Um, there's a lot of truth to it. Obviously, I'm always going to want him to succeed. I'm trying to be as fair as possible when I'm speaking publicly about him. I'm trying to highlight the positives and the negatives. Um, the reason I continue to be on the positive side and where, cause I see it, you know, we talked about it in the Tampa game, the, the no throw to Roshan, you know, the play heard around the world, the very same game, fourth quarter, bigger moment, exact same concept, harder read, banged it on Claypool for a touchdown. So like, but it can't be it can't be a mistake and then followed by a good play. It's got to be good play, good play, good play. So I I'm seeing growth. We saw it on Sunday. Obviously, I'm always gonna be glass half full. Um on the inside, 
let's just be real. Like this is this is interesting <laughs> for me, for us following this from outside the building. This is interesting. It's not his guy. They're setting up to have two incredibly high picks. There is one quarterback in this next draft class that is truly special. Truly special. So I hear what you're saying. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's real. And they're going to have, trust me, they'll have less patience for Justin Fields than I'm going to ever report in the media because it's not their guy. It's simple as that. Like, that's a real thing. And and if you're setting yourself up and you can possibly get the, the top player in the draft, because to me, this next draft class reminds me of 2021. There's one guy you know is going one. That's a special player playing at a big school, has all the physical qualities, the tape's unbelievable. And then you have a bunch of talented guys that have holes and issues that'll be much more risky. If you're inside that building, thinking long-term, moving Justin at some point in time this season at least has to come up in a discussion. It does. Like you're 0-4. It benefits you for him to play better than he's been playing, to stack some good games, to increase his value, whether it's during this season, after the season. And look, you're you're the GM of the Chicago Bears right now. You got to look out for the the future of the Chicago. What is in the best interest of the Chicago Bears? And that means having a lot of really difficult, tough discussions. You have to talk about every scenario possible, and that. I would believe is going to start happening in that building. And it's difficult too, because you're benefited from losing, but you don't want the culture of losing to seep into your building, which we saw on Sunday. Winning teams don't lose that game. Teams that know how to lose, lose that game. So you have a very, very delicate balance here of what's best positioning us to get the players we need to build a roster that can win a championship versus this culture and how fragile it is. The head coach doesn't want to lose. The head coach knows if they're picking one next year that he's not going to be here. So, like, it's it's real. Like, this is very real stuff that you guys are going to talk about. And he'll get up at a press conference and he'll say all the things that he needs to say in front of the media, which he should. But there's there's real conversations going in there. And, and, and obviously, he's going to be less tied to the quarterback than, than if it was someone who actually drafted the guy. Yeah, I, I think where I'm curious is like at what point has Ryan Poles already watched maybe one game film of Caleb Williams at, at this point? I, I know it's only halfway through the college season, but there's a big game against Notre Dame coming up. It's only a two-hour drive away from Chicago or maybe two and a half from, from Lake Forest. And, you know, I, I'm I, again, you've been in the, in the building. I, I imagine at least someone high up in that organization has seen a lot of Caleb Williams at, at this point, right? Like you would have For to sure. assume that. Yeah. Without, without doubt. And you, you, you knew going into the year, even though they made the decision to go with Justin. And, and obviously I don't think my guess is going into the season, they thought they were going to be way more competitive. Yeah. They're in a wide open division that has no dominant quarterback. So you have, you have a chance to win your division every year until someone solidifies themselves as that guy. And you knew you were going to have Carolina's pick. So you know there's a chance, even if you play well and have a winning season or a 500 season, 
you're going to be picking in the top 10, really good chance. So even before this started, those top five or six names in this draft, they're all over. I promise you, they're all over them. Even if they, even if they know right now or thought Justin is the long-term guy, they're still going to be aggressively making sure they have all those those six or seven players, whatever there is, like every ounce of information you can, eyeballs on them. You got to have eyeballs live on a quarterback. I promise you they've had guys in attendance at SC and they will continue to have them going forward. Same with Texas, same with UNC, same with Michigan, Washington. You know, they're, they're going to cover their bases, you know, even if at this point they thought Justin was going to be the guy going forward. So uh, before we let you go here, we did break down some of the defense to it. And I want to hit on that before we get out of here. So um, it wasn't just Justin Fields film. We looked at in the breakdown on the YouTube channel. It's, it's also some of the defense. My, my biggest question to you as we broke down those few plays was, you know, on one play you brought up the, the two linebackers they've signed can't get the stop or TJ Edwards didn't get it of, of a drop. Uh, Jaquan Brisker's, maybe not a hundred percent right now. It doesn't quite look like the same guy. They're not getting pressure up front. Um, you mentioned Dominique Robinson really only has like one move at this point. Andrew Billings, who's supposed to be their big giant run stuffing one technique is maybe their best interior pass rusher at this point. I'm, I'm bringing all these things up because it's like you're Matt Eberflus. You lost your defensive coordinator. You're now calling the plays. What can you even like when we talk about Justin, we talk about room for improvement. I'm I'm struggling to see how this defense can break through and start to play better this season. Yeah, it's that's that's valid and it's hard when your front seven um, isn't making impactful plays. It's really hard, even when you're a hole in your secondary, which is which was going to be the strength of the team. It's hard to compensate for a lack of impact on the front. You know, the, the one thing they do well right now, I would say, is play the run between between the tackles, between the hashes. They're, they're functional to above functional, stopping inside run. They have a lot of good players uh, as far as, you know, being able to play in a box, being able to play off blocks. This is where T.J. Edwards, he really is a good – T.J. Edwards is a good rundown linebacker. He really is. He's instinctive. He's tough. He makes a ton of tackles. Um, obviously 49's built well to, to play off blocks and Billings is playing at a high level. That's the one thing they do well. They get a little exposed on perimeter run because of their lack of athleticism and speed in their front seven. This is a passing league. It is a passing league. And when you cannot pressure the passer, like it is long Sunday after long Sunday and you're seeing quarterback rating after quarterback rating, you know, spiking over a hundred you're playing a lot of zone, no pressure, which means voids all over the place. And, and quarterbacks in the NFL, I don't care who it is, Baker Mayfield or, or you know, Patrick Mahomes, they're going to find spots. Like, that's just the way it works. And now it's being compounded right now because of this inexperience and in youth in the secondary due to all these injuries. Um, they need to be more competitive. They need to find a way to generate some turnovers to give the team a chance. They're going to give up points. Like that's not going to stop. They just have to be a little bit more competitive. For me, what's happening right now is you have zero impact disruptive plays being made in the front seven. And those players, 
like you don't have to have seven pro bowlers. You don't have to have seven all pros, you, but you have to have two or three difference makers. And then that multiplies out. It elevates the players around you that are maybe just average starters or more rotational backup guys, whatever their, their status is. But when you have no, nobody disrupting the game, it makes everyone's job extremely hard. And you see it on tape. Everyone's having to labor. I only There's two guys right now in this defense, to me, that are playing at a winning level, like based on their talent and ability. Billings, to me, is playing at a high level for his ability. He's playing well on rundowns. He's getting some sneaky pressure in there. Um, you know, when he's in the game on passing downs, Jalen Johnson, to me, when he's been out there has played at a winning level, respectable level. He's, you know, but after that, there's just a bunch of guys that are playing below their level and they're not making enough plays to really challenge offenses down in and down out. And, And even in the first half on Sunday, I thought it was more the kickoff for Turner fumbling the ball and pinning them back limiting the OC's play calling. I thought it was more self-inflicted wounds from Denver. I didn't really see Chicago's defense like smothering Denver's offense. Like it almost felt like you better put this team away because it's going to get going eventually. And it did. Um, so for me, like if you're talking about we, if you're in the, the, the world of, I want to see the bears win some games this year, it's going to have to be on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to have to generate 25-plus points a game to give them a chance. And the defense, I think once they get whole and they get some of their secondary players back, they just have to be able to pick spots because they're not going to be able to slow good offenses down for four quarters. They don't have the personnel right now. They just don't. And so they're going to have to find a way to be opportunistic, pick spots, a, a pick here, you know, finish a sack. You know, that's the hardest part to watch. Think about this, guys. We're four games into the season. Four games. That's a quarter of the NFL season. They don't have a sack by a front four player where he wins one-on-one versus the blocker and sacks the quarterback. First first game in Gakwe, his little, his little loop around the center coverage sack, and then – Sanborn takes advantage of their starting run back being out and and he whoops them, creates the pressure, and then Robinson and Pickens are able to clean it up for the sack. They don't have one sack in four games where the defensive end just whoops the tackle or, or the three technique whoops the guard and finishes on the quarterback. Like in four games, you are not going to play successful defense when that's going on, and that's what we're seeing. So they just got to be, like I said, you got to be able to pick some spots and you got to hope the offense generates 25 plus points a game for them to have a chance to win games right now. That's just the reality. There's there's one player like you hope, like if you're the Bears, like you want Tremaine Edmonds mentioned and everything you just said, like you want him being a pain in the in the behind, in the middle of the field, right? And when we went through the film of the Broncos game, we you highlighted a few things at least that he's not doing or, or that's kind of missing from him. And there was another play um, that we didn't go through uh, the screenplay where he gets completely blown up. I think it doesn't make a play like 
what's going on there? Like, is it just a matter of playing behind, you know, a bad front playing in the middle of a, of a bad defense right now? Like how would you evaluate Tremaine Edmonds game at this point after four games? So Tremaine, you know, I'm just going back to Virginia tech days, incredible physical specimen, incredible athlete, size, length, explosive speed, every tool in your tool belt, you need physically to be a high-level NFL linebacker. The knock on him was and has always been his instincts. How instinctive of a football player is he? I can't say I studied him in Buffalo, you know, year in and year out. What I've read, what I've heard, he's always been kind of an up-and-down player in Buffalo. The consistency was lacking. What I'm seeing right now through four games is a player who's not anticipating and triggering and making plays. He's not being disruptive. He makes tackles, but he doesn't make game-changing plays. He makes plays that he should make based on the defense they're running. He's really impressive when he's in chase because he does have exceptional speed. But in the run game, I'm not seeing him take on blocks and throw blocks away and make splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. In the pass game, they play a ton of zone coverage. And this is where I'm seeing a player, when you talk about spatial awareness, when you talk about vision, I think he plays very narrow vision. He doesn't see and feel everything around him, and he doesn't anticipate throws. He's a reactionary player. So it, to me, in his zone, it's 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 throw, catch, tackle, throw, catch, tackle. And then on top of that, we saw on Sunday, he's not finishing tackles because of some poor angles and some, you know, missed tackles in open space. So you have a player who's just picking up some production based on the scheme, but he's not changing the game. He's not impacting the game. A lot of that does have to do with 10 other guys around him that aren't helping create plays as well. But I think you're starting to see some of the the warts of this player um, stand out more when he's not playing behind an exceptional front like he was playing behind in Buffalo. So it's the quarter of the season. Now, let me say this on Tremaine before we wrap up. Robert Quinn, all-time leader in sacks, single-season Bears history. First year in Chicago, quiet year. Struggled with the adjustment, struggled with the new defense, struggled with the conditions of COVID and not having some of the amenities he needed to make sure he was dialed in and ready to go. Year two breaks a record for sacks. He was unbelievable year two, not only as a pass rusher, but he also learned to play the run and play effectively in a scheme he wasn't used to playing. I've seen this before. Guys get off the slow starts, new environment, new teammates, new coaches. So give him some time. But I can only tell you what I'm seeing on four games of tape. And right now, it's just an average player who's not creating game-changing plays. They need $80 million, basically Roquan's replacement, you need a guy that's going to impact the game, and that is tackles for losses. And in the pass game, that's blitzing the quarterback, 
covering in man, using that length to break up passes and being more instinctive in zone and not so reactionary. So give him some time. But right now he's got a lot of ground to cover to, to, to earn, you know, the return on the investment that the Bears made this offseason. Josh, as usual, there's a uh, hundred more questions I could ask you, but we really pretty, I mean, you've been incredible with your time this morning. So we really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. And again, it, everyone should go check out the other video on our YouTube page uh, with the film breakdown, everything from Justin Fields, the offense and defense, everything he was talking about with Tremaine Edmonds in there as well. Uh, really good stuff. Thanks so much, Josh. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. All right, John's well, uh, a lot to, react to honestly but we got a game to talk about <laughs> we got voicemails from sunday we i mean we get, it's a short week so i uh, hope everybody enjoyed the conversation with josh lucas please do check out the film breakdown uh let us know what you think about it um again hit subscribe on our youtube channel hopefully we can do more stuff like that in the future as well as we continue to grow that um but we want to bring him here on the pod as well for everybody listening to the podcast so you get a double dose of josh lucas on a short week. I just love the the scout's eye on things. It's it's just more than what like the play call is and what the the reads should be with with the drop is in line with the eyes and all that. It's like there's more context, right? It's trying to analyze a player's body language, what he might be feeling from the sideline, from from the building. You know, there's just yeah. so much there and he's got 20 years, 20 plus years of experience. Absolutely love it. All right. Uh, voicemails from Sunday. Then we'll talk about the Washington Commanders a little bit and preview the game. I'm sure these are fun. Maybe, uh, hey, for three quarters, there should be some positive voicemails in here. I don't know about the rest of them, but let's. Uh, I'm very intrigued to hear. It's going to be a roller coaster, right? This, sure. Yeah, this should be a roller coaster. Here's your voicemails from Sunday. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> Yo, I better call somebody. The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Pocket Cat Johns, it's Beth Bob the Brusky calling in live reporting here from Soldier Field. Boys, we got the Bears on the scoreboard, 7-7 seven to seven after the most cowardly punt that I have ever seen with these two eyeballs of mine. The Bears then took the ball back. Well, the defense gave up a touchdown, but then the Bears took the ball back. They scored a touchdown on their own. We got another seven or eight touchdowns left in us. Let's go Chicago Bears. I'm predicting 63-7. to seven. Bear down. Fun? Are we having fun? A flea flicker? Herbert's got to work on his pitch game. He's going to get fields killed. There's a back, baby. Adam Johns, uh, bold prediction of Cole Komet touchdown scorer. Happening twice today. Bear down, baby. Justin Fields, three touchdowns uh, already to get us going. It's giving vibes of, like, the Bucks game uh, where Mitch threw six touchdowns. So hopefully we end up with six. Uh, got to lose three to win 14. Right, boys? Bear down. I don't want to tinkle in anyone's card flakes or anything, but it's halftime, and I'm going to need a lot more than one good half against the Denver Broncos to get me back on their team side. Um, Johns, 
your average Bears fan calling and defeated. Here we are in week four. So, so scoop and score, fellas. I, 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 I'm speechless. I'm speechless. It's 28-28. This team was leading 28-7. This is the kind of stuff that is indicative of your head coach, Matt Eberflus. How are you going to respond? And right on cue, the Bears are bearsing. What's up, Hogan Johns? What the hell, Getsy? You're getting too freaking predictable. You've heard of the cardiac cats? Get ready for the botulism bears. Jesus f-ing Christ. There's two minutes left in the game, and I just turned it off. And I don't think I'm going to watch another game for the Chicago Bears the rest of the season. That was the bearsiest bears thing to have ever bears. God, I hate this team. I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. And the best part is no one's getting fired because they're going to sit there and go, well, the first half was really good, and we're going to sit here and watch this same team on primetime Thursday. And it's not going to be fun for anyone. So I think I finally figured this one out. HITS principle. It doesn't stand for hustle, intensity, toughness, or smarts. It actually stands for hang in there, safeties. And I bet you Matt Eberflus has that posted all over Hallis Hall with pictures of kittens hanging off of tree branches. The guy is essentially a bad high school guidance counselor who just keeps referencing some acronym he got at a seminar whenever there's a problem or an issue on the team. He's incompetent. He needs to go. McCaskey's out as well. It doesn't matter what you do during the game. At the end, it matters. Justin being Justin on the field. September 30th, 2018, except worse. Bear down. We suck again. The quarterback had a career day and we still lost the game. Bear down. We suck again. It's like the seventh or eighth or ninth or even maybe sounds fine that he's had a two-minute drive to go win the game and he throws an interception. Season's over. <laughs> All right. Season's over. This did it for me. I just hope we fire everyone and I want to die. Thank you. Sincerely, Bears fan, not from Chicago. Want to die. Hope we fire everyone. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Did we think anything different was going to happen? Oh, my goodness. No, of course not. Just got it for Justin. What a performance. Not his fault. The staff let him down today. Uh, Matt Eberflus here, just letting you know we have reworked and rearranged the HITS philosophy. Uh, it is now S, sloppy, H, half-assed, I, incompetent, and T, Tank for Caleb Williams. It just keeps getting worse. Week after week, when you think it can't get worse than the last week, it is. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. I was happy to see Justin pop off today, though the coaching could have been a lot better. Bear down! Well, you guys, John's a bad stop the problem here. Calling in from hell. Even close to the embarrassment. This team, I don't know if Holes is right or not. Who knows? Like, gotta go. Who calls plays? Who's the coach? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Tony Medlin. Let him let him coach the rest of the season. Doesn't matter. Oh, Bears. Caleb Williams. Bear down. Tony Medlin for head coach. Why not? 
yeah, he's. He, I mean, no one knows the building better than that guy. Um, man, it's grim there. I really, there I mean, I can't Bears blame fandom it. or hell. Yeah, I mean, I it well, really. I'm glad the voicemail line is a place to vent because uh, you need it probably. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, who cares? let's. Uh, I guess get to our three big questions. Three big questions. Number one, on a scale of one to ten, Adam Hogue, how much have the Bears missed left guard Tevin Jenkins over the first four weeks? Ten being the highest, of course. Uh, nine. I think they miss him a lot. I think this is a better offensive line if you get Cody Whitehair back to center. Um, I realize it's not perfect there, but there's Tevin Jenkins is a good player. And I think your left guard position's better with him in there. I think your center position's better. And if you're looking for some optimism with the offensive line, I think that makes a difference. Now the problem is can he come back and play the rest of the season? Can he play every game the rest of the year? I don't know. I don't know. I think based on what we've seen in his career, that's asking a lot to assume that. Um, I hope that's the case. I've said it a million times. I love watching Tevin Jenkins play football. I think his tape is so fun to watch, but he's got to stay healthy. So Tevin Jenkins on Monday was designated to return from IR from his calf injury. Mm-hmm. So I would expect him to be on the field sooner rather than later. He's he, He's been around the team. He's been in the locker room. We've seen him do stuff on his own on the field. So his return is coming soon, and I agree with you. I was going to say eight and a half, nine as well. They, they have missed him. I think he's a difference maker, a pancake machine there in the middle of the Bears offensive line. I mean, I'd love to be able to get him out there on Thursday. I don't know if that's realistic for a guy that's been out with um, a leg injury. I don't know how yeah, much yeah. where. Yeah, I don't know how much his cat his uh, conditioning, where his conditioning's at. Um, they really only have one somewhat real practice this week. It's walk through yesterday, walk through today, practice tomorrow. But it's like their short Friday practice, right? So, uh, to throw a guy that hasn't played in a practice out there Thursday night without, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but if you think about the, okay, you hold them out of this game, you try to get through one more game with this offensive line. Well, now you have a longer, you got a mini buy and I would think you'd be ready to go by the next game. Number two, what do you make of Tyson Bajan being the new backup quarterback? Do you think that there's any, Chances some of that had to do with motivation for Justin Fields. I thought the same. I, I thought the same. And all of a sudden he comes out, has this great game. I'm not saying it was because they elevated Tyson Bajan, but so, you know, sometimes it's okay to put some pressure on a guy. Competition. Coaches say it all the time. Competition is best for everybody. Um, I have to wonder if some of that had something to do with that. Just let's, Let's put the foot on the gas here a little bit. I, I also wonder how much, you know, Justin getting banged up briefly in Kansas City made them realize, oh, wait, yeah, if that happens, uh, Nathan Peterman's in the game. Come on. So. And, and I also think part of it is what Matt Eberflew said, that he's continued to look good in practice. 
But let's be honest, what is that That's this time of year? That's him running the scout team. He's been doing a great job running the scout team. So I, I think it might be all of the above of the things I just said. Yes, there is a difference between having an old veteran who has had his chance, a couple chances in the NFL, and then a young rookie who has impressed the team at various points, whether it's training camp, the preseason, or now running the scout team. I just think that should feel different in the quarterback room. And if he's earned that, he's definitely earning the trust of Lugetzi. All right, number three. Who is thinking about the first overall pick? And maybe even the second pick more. George McCaskey, Kevin Warren, Ryan Poles, or Justin Fields? Um, I hope the answer is Ryan Poles. I don't know why George or Kevin would be too worried. It, it goes back to the conversation we just had with Josh Lucas, right? Like, if you're in that building right now, if you're in that front office, I mean, that was some not stunning stuff, but sort of jarring to hear. If you're doing your job properly in those meetings in the front office, you at least have to have the discussion about does it make sense for us to move Justin Fields? If we don't believe he's the guy and he still has value and we can get Caleb Williams. And as Josh said, if you're doing your job correctly, you're at least having those hypothetical discussions in the building. So I hope it's at least on Ryan Poles' mind a little bit. So they're at least flushing out ideas. So they're sending scouts in the right places. So they're getting the full evaluation they possibly can here. And if I had to rank one through four with those guys you just mentioned, I hope Justin Fields is thinking about it the least. You would hope. Yeah. You would hope. Um, that's staying off social media. It's not reading anything. It's not watching TV because it's everywhere at this point. The Bears have the first pick and the second pick. And as our friend Josh Lucas said, even if Justin Fields is playing well, the Bears have to invest some time and resource into evaluating like he rambled off a bunch of schools. Those are a bunch of schools that have good quarterbacks playing collegiately right now. Yeah. You have to do your homework because of the situation you're in. Panthers are going to give you a very high pick. You may have a very high pick. You have to be prepared for everything. All right. Let's get to our over-unders. All right. Yeah. This is from the Bears show. Over-under on the Claypool situation brought up on the broadcast. Five and a half. I'm going to go under. I think you get about three or four references of this Claypool situation. I think the Bears want to move past it. I know Chase Claypool should want to move past it. And I don't know. You'll get a few references. He's not playing in the game. Do you think Claypool is still on the roster by the time this game gets kicked off Thursday? Mm. Good question. I think it's tough to trade him right now. I think it is too, but what do you have to lose to just, you, you, I guess, money? You just pay him for a few more weeks? Like, who think about it. There could be a team that gets some injuries here that gets desperate enough to give you a sixth or seventh round conditional pick. Or do you just send the message enough? Goodbye. Well, that's a good point. Get through this week, see if someone else gets hurt. Who? There was an injury somewhere. No, I'm thinking of uh, the Bills losing Tredavious White. I think about yeah. trade conversations down the road. I mean, Jalen Johnson, hello, maybe. That's a different podcast. Um, hello, Hurricane Dicka. Over honor on the amount of plays 
Hurricane Ditka. Over under on the amount of plays where he let an edge rusher come in unblocked, two and a half. Um, it's going to be a lot because if they keep running this boot game, that's part of the operation, at least in most instances. And it's on fields to beat that guy. Um, what do you think? Uh, well, if yeah, if we're including those, I would say over. Because it's part of the offense. And when you have a quarterback as special as Justin is with his legs, you purposely leave guys unblocked to read, to beat with his legs. Um, and you put the... But that can't happen. You can't You can't get that predictable. Justin had no chance on that play. They were I'm blitzing sorry. the boot. They're up yeah. the field in no time. And we've been seeing this since the Giants game last year. So you got to come up as a play caller. You got to come up with other things that doesn't become so predictable or have some type of check out of it when, when you need to. This is from Nolan over under mentions the bears current draft position. Um, I think it's going to be over, but not much, maybe two. I think you definitely get a graphic of some sort showing where they are right now. The yeah. Just Twitter. the fact that they're one and two, I think is the draw. I, otherwise I don't think this comes up this early in the season on a broadcast, but um, you know, and, and don't forget this is an Amazon Prime game. They got all these next gen stats and cool graphics they've put up there. Like they might be like probability to have the one in two picks at this point. I don't know. They might have something like that. This is from Ben. Over under a mentions of Caleb Williams, one and a half. I think you get if, if we're counting like the pregame and postgame show, he's coming up in conversation. Yeah, he just he he just will. He's he's that good, as Josh highlighted. He is by far the best quarterback in this class. Surefire number one overall pick. Like he's going to be brought up continuously as part of the Bears conversation. I think from now on, uh, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say one mention on the actual game broadcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to throw in pregame, all that stuff, they have a big yeah. It's a big, big shows, you know, yeah. on the front and back ends of this. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, cold predictions. I am going to say that the Bears for the second game in a row have a 100 yard rusher. Not saying who it is, though. I think it might be on the ta- table for Justin, maybe finally. Um, I'm not as... It, it depends on... if Look, this is a good commander's defense. Do they adjust, see what the Bears did successfully running the ball and try to stop that more? Well, if so, then that might op- might open up more opportunities for Justin to keep the ball because everyone's been playing Justin so much. Either way, I think it should be there somewhere. It's the pass rush I worry about in this game against Justin Fields. That's the matchup I'm most worried about, but I still think there's opportunities to run the ball. Here's Sam Howell. as the commander starting quarterback has been sacked 24 times over the first four weeks. So like... Here's my bold prediction. Bold or <laughs> stupid? Well, the Bears only get one sack. Because I think... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they had a sack on Sunday. You, I mean, they split one, but... 
I guess like two that, sacks that, of that four is, games. That and... is bold to say That's they sad. can't sack. You would think they should be able to sack Sam Howell because he's taking sacks. At a bit, like what? What's that? Six per game? <laughs> it's not good. A higher rate than the Bears? Yes. So I think the bold thing is actually saying it's going to stay low. So the Bears get one sack in this game. Um, their pass rush problems continue until stated otherwise, until we see otherwise. Do you know that the Seahawks had more sacks last night than the Bears did all of last season? <laughs> all <laughs> last night. I mean, it's that's worse than like your 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 Cleo Mack reference from the other. Show. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Good job by Equinemia St. John. He's going to get the block. All right. Uh, predictions. I got to say, I have been so hung up on reviewing the Broncos tape. I've not done a good job. Like, hopefully the Bears have done a better job of flipping the script, getting to the commanders. I am now just realizing that the commanders are six-point favorites in this game. <laughs> They're not a good team. The commanders? No. Yeah. Their defense is good. The front, their defensive front is good. But they do have Eric B. Enemy coaching this offense now. They did hang a lot of points on the Eagles. I know they went through a couple games there where they were struggling. They couldn't score on the Bills, but they played some good teams recently. The Bills, did you see what they did to the Dolphins? The, the Bills might be what everybody thinks they should be this year. Yeah. So if they had pulled out that game against the Eagles, I could have seen this setting up as a perfect letdown game. Like, oh, we've, got, we've gone through some, you know, big... We went through a tough part of our schedule. We got this huge win over our division rival on the road in Philly. Now we got the Bears on a short week. Like, we're good. You know, we can just go out there and play this game. We'll be all right. The fact that they lost that game, I feel like, prevents that from happening. They got to get a win. I think they're just a better team. Um, Sam Howell doesn't really scare me that much, but the Bears' defense... We just talked about it with Josh. And it's like, who on the defense right now scares you? So we'll find out more about the injuries. Maybe I feel a little bit different if Eddie Jackson gets back out there and Jalen Johnson, but that seems like it's tough here. I, I'm i going to have the commanders win this game. I don't want to... I guess I'm going to pick the same score I did last week. Commanders 24, Bears 20. So Bears cover... Um, unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be another tough loss. This team just doesn't know how to win yet. They got to get off the schneid and get a win. They just, they really badly need it. Sam Howell and the Commanders put 35 up on the Broncos on the road for a win, 35-33. Um, I'm going to go 27. Let's go 27-24. No, let's go 27-20. Commanders cover. 27-20. Yeah, I still think Justin Fields, he'll, he'll look a bit better. The offensive line, if Tevin Jenkins isn't there, is a concern. And I I don't... <laughs> I can't see them getting the Sam Howell. If Sam Howell against the Broncos, just for some perspective, was 27 for 39. Completed nearly 70% of his passes. One yard short of 300 yards passing. Two touchdowns. 108.8 passer rating. So 
you're thinking those numbers are possible for him in this game. I'm taking Commanders 27-20. All right. Uh, man. Talk to you Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll be back for post game. Uh, you're going to this game, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's so so excited about it. That stadium sucks. You think the Bears stadium sucks? That stadium is awful. Worst press box uh, view, too, I think, in the entire league. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah. Low and not the, in the end zone? Yeah. Last time we were, we were there, they had moldy bread served. Oh. <laughs> wow. I mean, from what I've seen on Twitter, the soul, I mean, Kevin Warren, is he just delivering these these these? plates to you guys in the press box himself i mean uh, the fancy menus what's going on inside that soldier field press box well when the bar is low yeah it's not exactly difficult to hurdle i would say i'd rather have no food than moldy bread true so um all right well enjoy the trip uh we will have you covered here post game of course and on chgo check us out we will have you pre and post right after the game hogan johns follows that uh, we'll stay up late, whatever we need to do. Another Bears game, quick turnaround. Um, again, if you're just listening to this in your car, enjoy the podcast, enjoy what Josh Lucas has had to say. When you get a chance, go check out the YouTube channel, uh, the film breakdown. I think you'll learn a lot, a lot of interesting stuff in there, especially when it comes to Justin Fields, some of the struggles on the Bears defense as well. It's all there for you. Um, and if you're watching right here on YouTube, it's right here on the channel as well. Hit subscribe. Hit that like button. We appreciate you very, very much. And uh, if you're listening to the pod, please rate and review. Most importantly, send a link to a friend. Text it to a Bears fan. You know, going through a tough time right now. You know, tell them, hey, Bears therapy right here on Hogan Johns. We got you covered. Um, we'll be back Thursday after this game. Maybe the Bears can finally sneak out a win. I don't know. We'll see. See ya. New Year, same old f***ing bears.